0: A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stalk. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight-pointers and the 12-ouncers. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12- and 24-pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Hi, everybody. Ron Shera here with another Minnesota Bound podcast. Today, my special guest is an old friend, Steve Carney, longtime well-known fishing guide in Minnesota. But also, lot, some things you may not know. He is a uh, avid, avid, avid morning dove hunter. And September first, uh, the morning dove season opened. And Steve, I, you're good, You'll be out there somewhere, right?
1: I will, Ron. Good afternoon. Yeah. Um, not real happy about 95 degrees, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. And I've been actually scouting all week trying to find, you know, a grain field up here in lakes country. And it's been tough. I mean, it's all corn and beans, corn and beans everywhere. And, but I've got an ace in the hole. I've got a gravel pit that a friend of mine has, and I'm going to set up there and they're going to come obviously, as you know, to grit two or three times a day. So I'm hoping for a little bit of action in the gravel pit.
0: Well, you know, uh, I've been around a long time, and I remember I remember when dove hunting uh, was illegal in Minnesota. Some people thought <laughs> they thought the dove sat on the right hand of God, uh, which uh, they finally got over that. But uh, uh, I can't remember when the first dove season was held. I should have looked that up, but it hasn't been probably more than 10, 15 years. Um, but it still hasn't become real popular with minnesota hunters but except for people like you and others i have hunted doves and and they're uh just just as an overview um they fly fast erratic so they're tough birds to bring down with a, a 410 or 20 gauge whatever you're going to use but uh, on the grill they're uh, excellent
1: at eating they yeah. are you know they're kind of a combination of white meat and dark meat together and i can eat about 10 is about my maximum, but um, I truly enjoy it. You know, they eat, you know, wheat seeds and oat seeds and, you know, all the stuff that they eat makes their meat just awesome. It's not gamey at all. It's just excellent. You know, Steve, I don't remember when uh, Minnesota first
2: opened a dove season, but it was a controversial step years ago. Some people thought the morning dove sat on the right hand of the good Lord, um, which uh, I don't know how that started. It was an old a biblical story, I think, about doves. But anyway, uh, the season opened and uh, has been for quite a few years. Probably is not as popular as a lot of people, including me, thought it might be.
1: Uh, why do you think that is? Well, you know, Ron, this weekend is a good example. You've got the early goose season opening up on Saturday. You have the early stupid teal season on Saturday for four days. You got all this competition, you know three things going on at the same time. So I think you know the hardcore waterfowlers are doing the goose thing and the teal thing and the doves kind of get you know second seat on it. So you know a lot of it too is access to hunting grounds. you know it's very difficult to find a good grain field. And you have to get into the Dakota, South Dakota, southern North Dakota and far western Minnesota, where hopefully you can find some grain fields because as you know, everything is corn and beans everywhere. And these doves are, you know, they, they know what they want and they have to find it. And when you don't have the opportunities, I think people get discouraged and, um, understandably so. Yeah, that said, and I agree with you. Um, yet the,
2: I mean, somebody like yourself is an avid dove hunter. I've hunted them too. Um, a lot of people say, oh, it's a little tiny bird. But let me tell you, that little tiny bird is a fast flying, erratic flyer. And um, uh, so they're not easy to bag in the air. But um, uh, they also, um, uh, a lot of people don't know, it.
1: on a grill, they're excellent eating. Oh, they're unbelievable. They're kind of a combination of light meat and dark meat. And, you know, they eat wheat seeds and hay seeds and you know good grain and they're just incredible on the grill and I can eat about 10 11 at one sitting and uh it's truly a treat you know what do we have doves in our household and um just wrap a little bacon around there and a you know, water chestnut put a, a toothpick through it doesn't take long two three minutes on each side and boy with a little wild rice it's it's the best <laughs> yeah, me, my mouth watering here, but you're
2: you're a pretty good chef yourself, uh, as I recall. Um, so uh, tomorrow, uh, maybe not tomorrow. September first, I meant to say, uh, is the opening of dove season. And uh, even though it's open for quite a while, uh, that doesn't mean there's doves around uh, Minnesota all that time. But is that what you found?
1: Well, it's a short season, Ron. It's, um, you know, they're very early migrants and they blow through this state usually by the third week of September, sometimes the fourth week, depending on what the temperatures are. And so you got a very small window there. That's why you got to get on them really early. They're kind of like, you know, blue wing and green wing teal. It's like, boy, once they leave, they're gone in mass and it's, you know, and it's over. So you really got to get them early and you just, you know, I think the season goes maybe a couple of months, but the second month is, you know, rather worthless. But, you know, it's been getting warmer in the fall, you know, as you know, the last probably 10 or 15 years, it's almost 80 degrees on Thanksgiving sometimes. And so if it stays warm, you know, you got a chance of them hanging around a little bit. But if you get 29, 30 degrees at night for a couple of nights, boom, they're out of here and you know, down south they go and they're hunted, you know, very heavily in the southern United States. You know, down there in Texas and New Mexico, Arizona, dove hunting is the king down there. Uh, it's a social event. Um, hundreds of thousands of people participated down south. So it's a really big deal down there. It is. Steve, uh, we're going to take a short break here,
2: but when we come back, I'm going to find out uh, what your Um, strategies are in the first part of the season and uh, what kind of shotgun you use and what you recommend there. And uh, so we'll get to those topics right after these words from our uh, sponsors.
0: It's summer season, which means thunderstorms can roll on in. Are you prepared for a power outage at your home or business? The Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator will ensure peace of mind when the power goes out. Also, the same propane that powers your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home or business will reduce the size and cost of the generator. Imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones to run during a power outage. Reliable, affordable, safe. Propane, the energy for everyone. To find out more about generators and propane appliances, go to propane.com.
3: Also, it's time for Connecticut. You know, our Minnesota cabin life is in full swing. In fact, we're just back from four days up north. Such a joy now that we have Connecticut water in the woods. Last year, we were lucky enough to add Connecticut water at the cabin, and oh boy, what a difference. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But really, after a painless four-hour installation, we have Kinetico soft water and also Kinetico's K-5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make early morning coffee. Great drinking water right out of the K-5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny. And Kinetico water cleaned up the showers and the dishes. The world's most efficient worry-free water system. Visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Propane, it's clean, efficient fuel produced right here in the United States. Schedule your propane service with a friend. Lakes Gas, a family-owned provider serving the upper Midwest for more than 60 years. 54 convenient locations in Minnesota and Wisconsin, now with offices in North Dakota and South Dakota, too. Lakes Gas employees live in the communities they serve, so you can expect personalized service from professionals. Oh, and the Lakes Gas offers competitive pricing without all the extras that tend to drive up fuel prices. Safe, dependable service. Lakes Gas the right choice for your home, business, or farm. Visit lakesgas.com and join the family.
2: Hi, right, welcome back to the second uh, part here of our Minnesota Bound podcast. My special guest today, uh, good friend, uh, fishing guide, Steve Carney. Uh, but Steve and I are not talking fishing, although uh, we could. Uh, we're talking <laughs> dove. Dub- <laughs> and and uh, Steve, uh, you're one of the few people I know who are who are avid dove hunters, and uh, a lot of folks don't know the the dove, the dove, the harvest of doves in America is the highest of any game birds uh, out there. And a lot of people are amazed at that. You mentioned earlier the how big dove hunting is in the southern part of the United States, but uh, doves are very abundant and they're very prolific and uh a lot of people go after them
1: yeah they are and that's you know what kind of makes dove hunting so much fun you can sometimes have 30 or 40 doves come into your decoys or you can have one or two you just don't know but they can really surprise you and um they are amazing a lot of people don't realize those birds can get up to 55 miles an hour and um, last season I was out on the opener with a friend of mine who's a very very good shot very good duck hunter and I hunted with him for two days and he never dropped a dove in two days and he was very (laughs) he was very frustrated he probably went through three boxes of shells both mornings and we'd get together we set up in different areas and he just would kind of shake his head it's like I don't get it and That's why it's not as easy as it looks. And um, I've found, you know, really the key to dove hunting uh, is really the lead. And most of us are, you know, used to leading a duck or a pheasant, you know, maybe a a body length or possibly aiming for the beak is what I do a lot typically. But doves, you've got to get three or four feet ahead of them. And because they're so fast that they're just, it doesn't, you don't think they're going that fast, but they are. And the lead is really, really the key. If you can get it out three feet ahead, like 36 inches in front of them, you'll be a lot more successful.
2: Now, what kind of uh, firearm are you going to carry out there?
1: You know, that's funny because I get a lot of heat from people that say, what are you doing using a 12 gauge? Well, let me tell you, it's all about getting as many pellets up there as you can. And, you know, a lot of the purists out there have the over and unders and the 28 gauges and you know, the 410s trying to be sporting, but you're handicapping yourself. (laughs) These doves are, you need to get, you know, as much shot up there as fast as you can. And, you know, with a good lead at a 12 gauge is perfect for that. And anything less than that, I believe personally, you're handicapping yourself and you're going to make it much more difficult. So I'm 12 gauge all the way, 870 Remington pump uh give me the old school stuff and uh, good to go what size shot um i found that anything like eights or nines are a little too light you know it's amazing how many doves you drop that you don't really kill on the drop uh seven and a half seem to be about the right uh size you don't get as much shot you know with a seven and a half as you do with eights or nines but uh your your kills are better and more effective and seven and a halfs, you're either gonna miss them clean or you're gonna knock them down and anchor them and seven and a halfs I think is just just about right,
2: yeah, now you mentioned um uh you're gonna probably start your dove season uh for the first uh, week or so uh in a um a gravel pit uh and you mentioned that doves do come there for and uh, get uh uh Small rocks, etc., for for their um, um, to uh, get for their gizzard, so to speak. But right, um, is
1: that a popular spot for doves? Well, it's the only spot I have right now because I have not scored a grain field yet. So I'm starting there right off the bat. I'm going to give that a, a full morning and kind of see how it goes, and then I'm going to jump in my truck and I'm going to start covering some gravel roads up in lakes country and start cruising around and see if I can find a concentration. Um, You know, it's funny, you go by a a farm and they might have a little, you know, two acres of wheat and you go in and ask permission to hunt doves and they don't even know there's a dove season in the first place. So it's always easy to get on property for dove hunting because nobody really cares about doves, but I've just got to get on my vehicle and start, you know, hitting the road And it's kind of fun because you never know what you're going to run into. And, you know, there's times you can be driving down the road and there's 200 doves on the power lines right next to a tiny little wheat field. And if you get permission on that, boy, you're good to go. So it's all about scouting and, um, you know, getting out there and finding your own spots. And, um, you know, water is also a really good choice right now, too. Doves like flat water. They don't like water with a lot of cover. They like, you know, open areas like flooded, um, you know, farm fields or flooded uh, field roads where there's a little bit of water. They like the openness so they can watch for predators. And, you know, I've done very well that way too, just finding small little areas of water that are open and that can be very good with a couple of decoys. And it's pretty amazing what a little bit of water can do.
0: Let's talk
2: about decoys for a second. some people would be surprised, decoys. I could I can see decoys for geese or ducks, but for doves, what role do decoys play?
1: Well, you know, they're kind of a, a love-hate relationship type of thing. I mean, there's times I'll put out maybe three, four spinning wind decoys, I'll put a few feeders on the ground. <laughs> Excuse me, and some days they just came bombing in and they love it. And what's interesting about that is the other birds of prey that you uh, bring into these decoys, you'll have hawks and eagles and pigeons and every kind of bird in the in the universe coming in on those decoys. So there's a lot of entertainment when you put the decoys out, even though uh, you know they're not what you're looking for. And a lot of swallows too. You get a ton of swallows come in. But you know, I start out with the decoys and see how they react. And there are times when they just absolutely ignore the decoys. And if they do, then I start taking a walk and, you know, moving to different parts of the field. Or I might just take one decoy, one spinning one decoy, and move to the other end of the property and just set up one. And that can work sometimes, too. But I would not rely on decoys all the time. It's kind of a 50-50 thing. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But the key, really, is to find out the flyway that they use to enter a particular field. They're kind of like wallets. They like to come in on a certain corner or a certain edge, and once you find out that flyway, then you adjust to that by either moving your decoys or just going over there, hoofing it, and setting up, you know, in that area, because they will enter and exit basically from the same spot um, all the time. And once you figure that out, um, decoys can or cannot, you know, make a difference. Then you'll be pass shooting mostly. But it's kind of interesting. I think it depends on the air currents, temperature, what the wind's doing. And, you know, once you kind of spot how they're coming in, you definitely want to move.
2: Good advice. Um, uh, And I suppose, does it help to be out there at the crack of dawn?
1: Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't get out there at noon, Ryan. You can't sleep in on this deal. you got to be there (laughs) probably set up a half hour before the sun comes up because... You know, especially with this 90 degree stuff that's coming, you've got to get out there early because once they have their early feeding done and a little bit of water, they're going to jump into an oak tree and shade and they're going to stay there all day long, you know, just like human (laughs) beings, just like us. It's like, do we want to sit out there 96 degrees? No, no. So they're going to be tucked into cover and, you know, unhuntable basically. And, you know, they'll make a move later in the evening, but, it's an early and a late thing, kind of like the walleye thing. Hey, we're gonna take another break,
2: Steve. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the un- unique nature of doves, and also uh, maybe a little more detail about cooking them, because that's the uh, we're not out there just to watch doves fall to the ground. Uh, they're delicious to eat, and uh, so we'll get to those topics after the, these messages from our sponsors.
0: Ron Shera here with a question. Have you ever heard of an economic first responder? That's an economic first responder. Well, it's real. Think of Star Bank. Star Bank is saving local businesses as an economic first responder in the Twin Cities, the West Metro, and rural Minnesota. Star Bank has been helping small businesses keep their lights on, pay their rent, pay their employees for months now. In fact, Star Bank has helped 629 local businesses during this pandemic. And they've been keeping small businesses on Minnesota's main streets as well. Keeping small businesses alive. Economic first responders indeed. You know, Star Bank is our local hero during this pandemic. Find Star Bank at starbank.net on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Bank locally with Star Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. That's my choice. Star Bank, Ron Shera here. We also want to
3: thank North
0: Dakota tourism.
3: You know, North Dakota is one of my favorite all-time hunting destinations. I can't believe it. It's the middle of summer, and it's already time to start planning fall hunts in North Dakota. I have a few facts for you on the state's current hunting conditions. Get this, 2023 is one of the wettest springs on record which means an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks. That number is up from last year. Also, the 2023 spring pheasant crowing count survey is up 30% from last year. You add to that North Dakota's PLOTS program, you know, 800,000 acres of private land that is open to public walk-in hunting, and you have the perfect spot just waiting for your perfect fall hunt. Make memories and hunt North Dakota. Plan your adventure just like I do at hellond.com. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther advantage. $0.10 off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today.
2: (laughs) Welcome back to the final episode here of uh, Minnesota Bound Podcast. Ron Shera here with you. Uh, my special guest, Steve Carney, uh, top-notch fishing guide uh, out in uh, Minnesota's Western Lake country, but also an avid, avid, avid morning dove hunter. And that's the topic of our podcast today, all about hunting morning doves. And um, uh, uh, Steve, I'll, I'll never forget, we talked earlier about how fast they fly, et cetera. I'll never forget the first time I hunted them. It's when I worked for South Dakota Game and Fish Department, and I was down near the White River in uh, southern South Dakota, and uh, we were setting up in a place where morning doves were coming in, and uh, uh, I think the first two two or three morning doves I took a whack at, I dropped, and I said to myself, this is so easy. Everybody said morning doves are hard to hit. This is so easy and i think i spent another 20 shells and never dropped another bird. So, <laughs> That's dove
1: hunting for you right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And um uh so a lot, i say that because a lot of people think there's nothing to it. It's a, a little miniature songbirds by like shooting robins, which is not. And um uh but anyway, um getting over to How you prepare them will get a little more detail. But the first time I went dove hunting in Indiana, I was down there filming something, don't remember exactly, but I got invited to go dove hunting down there. And uh, we got a lot of doves, as you can imagine. And those boys cleaned them and uh, marinated them. And uh, I think wrapped some breasts and bacon or pepper or something and grilled them. And Steve, I never realize uh, just how good they can be now they're not big Uh, they're kind of like hors d'oeuvres size but uh, uh, they're they're very tasty uh, critter
1: yeah you know the biggest mistake uh ron that people make when they're trying to cook does is they remove the meat take it right off the breastplate you know like if it's a pheasant and you're trimming off the breast you really want to leave that breast breast breastplate on there that gives it you know, consistency and holds that meat together. And whenever you're cooking it, you kind of need that as support. So you always want to leave the breastbone. You can take your index finger on the top and then put your thumb uh, on the lower part and you can just yank the whole thing right off the chest. And there you end up with kind of a hockey puck, basically. And it's a lot easier to cook with. And, and I cook a lot of my doves in a wok. I have a bunch of 25-year-old Chinese woks that are super um, just black just beautiful and I do you know flash cook them in a wok a lot too and if it wasn't for the breastbone on there I think that meat would pretty much collapse so it's important that you leave that on there no matter what you do and then just cook them to taste that and certainly don't overcook them very easy to do and uh, you know that's with everything with venison and you know everything that we do ducks and pheasants it, it's you know our moms if you remember back when we were kids cooked everything to death and I learned it's like mom you're, you, I can't eat this and now as I'm cooking in my you know middle age um, I just try to undercook thing as best I can maybe a little pink in the middle and You just have to really monitor that last couple of minutes to make sure you don't overcook it. Because if you do, um, just like venison, it's going to be a little tough. Yeah, for sure. You know, well, Steve, um,
2: as we sit here admiring the morning dove, uh, a lot of people don't know how prolific they are. For example, they'll have uh, two sets of young every summer. Uh, Their eggs hatch in about 11 days or something like that both parents help feed the young and once the young leave the nest uh, a few days go by and the parents are back sitting on eggs again Uh, and so uh, they can they can really rebound fast from any kind of population
1: yeah they do and it's amazing um i i saw some uh statistics on how many there are in north america and it's in the millions and when you stop and think about it that's a lot and it's just you know they're just amazing it's just they're so weather related is the problem i wish we had you know two months or three months to hunt them but you know when they leave you know the game's over and i I wish we had more time but i guess a guy can go down the southern united states and get in on that you know december january season too um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really fun, but it's short lived. That reminds me, Steve,
2: uh, way back when, when Minnesotans were arguing about, should we have a dove season? Should we? And, uh, uh, some columnists for the paper who they thought it was just awful that, um, we would have a dove season and that I would be siding with, uh, a dove season. And I remember, <laughs> I remember getting a letter from a dove hunter in Tennessee. He says, uh, hey, y'all, I I I hope you keep protecting those doves because when they get <laughs> down here, them. Yes. <laughs> he the they're truth. bigger. Than yeah, so. one thing I,
1: I want to try this year is I'm going to probably take a couple pigeons. You know, a lot of times with these decoys set up, you get 20, 30, 40 pigeons come in at a time and I'm just wondering if maybe a pigeon tastes like a dove. I don't know, but I'm going to try it. You know, they eat the same stuff. So that's going to be one of my missions is to see um, if those things are any good or not.
2: Well, they're related, and uh, doves and uh, pigeons. And I can tell you, as a kid, um, uh, doves are good eating, and they have the same color breast as a morning dove. So with that, it sounds like one way or another, you're going to have a meal Steve. And I want to thank you for joining me today for this Minnesota podcast.
1: That's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. That was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, next time, Steve-O, we have to sit
2: in the boat and talk about uh, catching walleyes or bass or crappies or something like that.
1: Okay. Absolutely. You have a great day, Ron.
2: Thank you. So that about does it for our podcast, the story behind the stories and um, I want to thank our uh, special uh, sponsors and uh, there's there's a lot of fine folks sponsor this show and we always like to say at the end uh, remember introduce a kid to the great outdoors I'm Ron Shera